Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Laurel Church of Christ Wednesday night Bible class. My name is Paul Wharton. This evening, we'll be studying from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 10 through verse 21. We're glad that you can join us this evening, and we hope that something will be said that will not only encourage you, but help you in your daily walk. Let us pray. Almighty Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us to be able to assemble around this medium. We thank you, Father, for all those that are participating this evening. We hope that the things that we say this evening, Father, will be uplifting, edifying, and lead to the growth within your kingdom. Father, we thank you for our health and we thank you for our well-being. We pray for those that are mourning now, Father, that have lost loved ones, and we pray for those that are sick. Father, help us to be not only a light, but a, a supporting arm and a, and a kindred spirit to all those that may need it. Again, Father, be with us throughout this next hour. Always keep us in your love and allow your grace to shine upon us. In the name of your son, Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Well, here we are again. Uh, it's been a pleasure being with you these, these few weeks, and we have a few more weeks. Uh, this evening, we're going to try to get ourselves uh, into a mode where we're actually understanding what Paul was trying to tell these Corinthians. We've had so much opportunity to, to look at the different verses and see what has been going on, uh, we certainly want to make ourselves available to you and to uh, try to get our understanding of these passages and the concept along with the context so that our lives can be better. First thing this evening, as you know, chapter uh, verse 10 was a part of our uh, study last week. But verse 10 is, is really a very important verse and kind of a transition between the first half of chapter 5 and the latter half. And so we're going to read that verse just so that we can um, um, bring our recollection a little sharper. We want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Whomever would like to read that, just wave your hand. We'll open your mic. And uh, we'll get the show on the road. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Go right ahead, Huckabee family. Okay, hold on. Pulling it up now. You mean you're like one of those students in school that would raise their hand before they had to answer? Well, it wasn't me who raised my hand because they were under the notion that the verse would have been on there. So now they're pulling up the verse so they it. can read it. <laughs> but we're ready now, brother. Right. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each, each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Whether it is good or that's a very interesting verse. Hold that in your mind. Someone turn over to Revelations 14, 13. 
Revelations 14, 13, and we will read that and put those together. Dell Meadows, go right ahead. Open Dale's mic, please. Then I heard from, then I heard a voice from heaven say, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Amen. Thank you very much, my brother. Now, what do those verses have in common? What do they let us know? 2 Corinthians 5.10 and Revelations 14.13. Anyone, you can either hit the chat line or raise your hand and we'll call you, call on you. What do those verses have in common? Verse 10 ends with the phrase, Antoine Johnson, go ahead. Yes, sir. It seems like there is, a, uh, there is either a reward or a consequence uh, based on how we live our life here on earth. Yes, there, there is a reward, and it can be either side of that reward, either good or bad. And what else do we get from that? That really is an expectation. That's something that's been promised to us. One of the things that Paul was having problems with, with the Corinthians there, was they continue to want to couch and view things from a worldly point of view. One of the problems that they had with Paul was Paul just really wasn't that good looking of a guy. Paul really wasn't that eloquent a speaker. And they really preferred, you know, a nicer version. Brother Womble says, we all, will, we all will be judged. That absolutely, absolutely is what those two verses have in common. I made a little note there that God's people always strive to please him. And we're trying to please him because we know we have these promises here from 2 Corinthians 5.10 and also in Revelations 14.13, that the things that we do in this life are going to be judged by God Almighty. And so as we strive to please the Lord, we're keeping those things in mind. One of the things that Paul was trying to convince these Corinthians of was as they were, as they were moving through, they had to change from that worldly aspect to a spiritual viewpoint. And certainly, as these verses point out, that we will be judged, we will be rewarded by our deeds. <clears throat> Think about that opening line there. Lord knows we are who we are. 
Does anyone recall uh, a common day uh, quotation that was something like that? If you do, raise your hand or put it on the chat line. We are who we are. You recall that statement being made anywhere? Sean Holt. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a statement that's used often in sports. There was one, one person that put up there, you know, uh, Coach uh, Bill Parcells. They are who their record says they are. You know, I think Denny Green had a tirade once. You know, they were who we thought they were. You know, we are who we are. We can't be something that we're not. As we prepare to read that next section there through 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 15, let's think about all of the paradoxes that we come, come into today on people wanting to be who they aren't or wanting to be someone other than who they are. If we could have someone read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 through 15, I surely would appreciate it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 through 15. Second Corinthians 5, 11 through 15. Yes, sir. I'll read it for you, Brother Paul. Thank you. S since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again. We are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Verse 13, if we are out of our mind, it is, for, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Thank you very much, Sean. We are who we are. Paul talks about having to commend himself to the Corinthians again. And if you recall from our earlier statements in, in our lessons, Paul was saying he didn't need any commendation. He didn't need any verification or reference because they were his reference. They were his commendation because he had brought them into the Lord. Now, as we see right here, one of the things that Paul is again trying to uh, explain to them further that the Lord knows who we are. Think about that for a minute. If the Lord knows who you are, are you sure who you are? The things that you do, 
Does that represent who you are? You know, I've my entire life has been in the construction industry. And I tell you, I've worked with some guys that are rough as a corn cob. And at times I've been pretty rough myself. But we won't we won't digress into that. But our lives should be what the Lord wants them to be. We talked earlier about the things that we do in this life will be judged. God himself will have us standing there and he will be judging them. So we have to be true to the nature that we have. As we go a little further in our reading and in this study, Paul continues to tell us that we are changed, that we are a part of a new covenant. In this lesson, we are new creatures. So we may have been something and someone at one time, but now we have to change. And we don't have to change simply because that would be okay. We have to change because we're compelled to, as we will find out. Paul says there, we know what the fear what it is to fear the Lord. We therefore persuade men. What are we? What is Paul talking about? What are they trying to persuade men about? Anyone, either on open mic or on the chat. What does Paul want them to know as we look at these verses? Anyone? He wants them to know the gospel? Absolutely. Now, what else? Paul and his companions want the people to know that Christ died for them and they should live for him? Whatever that was, that was great. Thank you, Carrie. It's, it's really something when you think about God's plan for man. And as we look at these things a little closer, we're going to review uh, verses 12, 13, and 15. We want to make sure that everyone understands, just like Paul wanted those Corinthians to understand, that God had made a great sacrifice for them, that he had allowed a tremendous price to be paid for them. And he wanted them to come to him. Let's read uh, verse 12, verse 13, and verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 5 once more, would you please? Verse 12, 13, and 15. Sean, do you still have that? If you would. Verse 12, 13, 15. I'm not sure that that mic is open completely. Sorry, is that better? That's much better. I'm so sorry. Okay, uh, running it back. You said 12, 13, and 15, correct? Yes, sir. 
We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. Hold on one second. Yes, sir. Paul says there, look, I'm, I'm not coming to you for some commendation, but I want you to accept me for who I am. Some of us have made that same statement as we were trying to, you know, talk to someone that we cared about. I want you to accept me for who I am. I'm not looking to get anybody else to vouch for me. You know me, accept me for who I am. And not only do I want you to accept me, but Paul says he wants them to be proud of him. He wants them to be proud of the work that he did. Look at all of those that he brought to Christ in Corinth. Paul says, look at your family in Corinth. Be proud of that. Why are you stuck on having someone that sounds nicer, looks better, but they haven't put the work in that I have? How many of you have been on jobs where your work was either marginalized or dismissed? And the guy sitting next to you or working opposite you was just sliding through and he was being commended on every turn. Paul says he wants them to accept him for who he is. Would you read verse 13 there? If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Paul's telling them there, listen, I'm, I know some of the things you're confused with. Some of you have said that I'm out of my mind. My brothers have even said that some of these writings that I give you are hard to understand. But in my love, in my care, in my deepest being, I'm in my right mind for you because I know what God wants for you. Sometimes we dismiss opportunities of good advice simply because we're stubborn, simply because we just, we just don't want to do that, obstinate hard-headed, all those things your mother used to tell you you were. But it's advice that we need. It's something that we need to hear. Paul is trying to tell them too, don't dismiss, don't marginalize what I have done. I've done everything for you. And because I know what the Lord has done, because I know of what has been committed for you, I want you to know what's in this for you. Read verse 15 there, would you, Sean? Verse 15. <clears throat> and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
Christ died for you, you should live for him, period. That's, that's real simple. Even I can understand that. Paul wanted them to understand the unadulterated truth about their lives and the sacrifices that had made for them to come to Christ. If you can understand that, then you can understand what I'm doing is what he's telling these Corinthians. I preach to you that Christ died for you. And because he died for you, you should be willing to live for him. That's a very good message for us today. Christ died for us. The plan always was for this to happen. We have to fulfill our side of it. God's ready. God's put it before us. Are we ready to respond to it? We are new creations in Christ. New creations in Christ. From verse 16 through verse 21, we want to take in some of the thoughts there as we uh, start to wind down the, the end of this particular lesson. But also, I, I want you to think clearly on what we just talked about a minute ago. We are who we are. We belong to Christ. We're not perfect, but we're striving to do the very best we can. And we're making that sacrifice. We're, we're putting in that effort because we know that one day we will stand before the judgment seat in Christ. And as we stand before God, we, we will have to account for the things that we've done both good and the things that aren't so good. A few weeks ago, we had a lesson about, you know, that, that saying, we all have a past. And we understood clearly what that meant. You know, we all have a past. We, we all haven't been everything that the Lord wants us to be. We all haven't been walking within the plan that God has laid out for us. And Paul was trying to convince these Corinthians that, listen, I have brought you out of that bondage of sin. And I have given you this good news of Jesus Christ. And I want you to fulfill your potential on who you are for Christ. The same thing that Paul was telling them is the same thing that applies to us. We have to put off those things that were in our lives before, and we have to strive to live the kind of life that has been set before us, and the example has been set by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. Would someone read that, please? Okay, let's see. We've got a couple hands up here. Oops. Mike Wilson, how about that? 
Give my fellow Buckeye the mic there. Right. Second Corinthians 5, starting at verse 16, ending at verse 21. And it reads, Therefore, from now on, <clears throat> we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you very much, We are God's reconciled through the blood of Christ. What, is, what does reconciled mean? To be reconciled? Anybody in the chat line or open mic? Okay, go ahead. Sean? Oh, pardon me. I didn't click that off. Kevin, brought into agreement to be made friends again, to be reconciled, to be restored, to be reconciled, to have a relationship mended. Excellent. So when we say God reconciled us through the blood of Jesus, that means that God used Jesus to bring us back to him. The thing that we want to do in this life is to fully represent what that sacrifice means. God created his plan of reconciliation to bring us to Christ, through Christ, and back to him. This wasn't something that man could have ever thought of. This was a plan that was purely spiritual. This was a plan that God alone had. And when you think of the magnificence of being able to conceive and execute this plan be before time began, it's beyond, I know it's beyond my capacity to think. But when you can just look, let me say this. There are many uh, tasks or many assignments that we all have on jobs. And we put a lot of time into planning those things. 
And then we have to execute that plan. And when the plan works to perfection, we puff our chests out and we accept every accolade, every congratulatory expression that's out there because we put in a lot of work to come up with an excellent plan. God's most perfect plan in bringing us back to him was Jesus Christ. It couldn't have been a plan any better. It couldn't have been a plan that was done by anyone else. God alone created that plan. And what we have to look at is as we see our lives Pardon me. As we see our lives changing from what they were into what we should be, then we can take heart and we can take pleasure in that. I'd like somebody to switch over to Colossians chapter 1 and read verses 19 and 24 really quickly. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. If you would turn over there, I sure would appreciate it. Colossians 1, verse 19 and 20. Okay, who do we have there? Let's go back to uh, the Huckabees. Okay, here you go. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his Christ, his cross. As we look at that verse, in the NIV, the first portion of that reads, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That in him is who? Chat room or hands? Who is that? Christ. Thank you very much, Kevin. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. And through him, through Christ, to reconcile to himself, back to God, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, through his blood, through Christ's blood, shed on the cross. That's it. That was the plan. That was, that was the plan. We benefit from that each and every moment we're here, each and every moment that we have committed ourselves to Christ. God's love, God's grace, God's reconciling grace removes our sin and allows us to be in the proper relationship with him, with the Father, through Jesus Christ. That, that's something. That is really something when you think about it. God's reconciliation makes us become the righteousness of the righteous of God. Would somebody pick up that last verse in, in our text this evening. 
2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. If you have the NIV, I would appreciate you reading that. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, let's get uh, our famous fire tablet. Okay, um, that is verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you. In him, in Christ, we may become the righteousness of God. God's sacrifice of his son Jesus brings us close to him. It brings us back to him, not just close to him, it brings us back to him. But in order to understand that, and this is what Paul was, was trying to get the Corinthians to understand, they had to come away from that worldly viewpoint and take up this spiritual viewpoint. This is work of the spirit, not some mystical, that's what I thought, plan. This was God's plan. And as we go through each and every day, we have to keep in mind that God has a plan for you and I. We talked a couple weeks ago about how God has planned in advance for the good things for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, God has always had a plan for us, and it's our responsibility, it's our obligation to fulfill that plan, and not just within ourselves, but within all that we meet, within our families, with our friends, our co-workers, sharing God's plan, sharing the good news of his son, Jesus Christ. This isn't something that's from our worldly point of view. This is something that's born of the spirit. The faith we have in Christ gives us that new spiritual viewpoint. And that's something that we have to use. That's something we have to practice and exercise every day. And so as we wrap up here this evening and we look toward the future, there have been a lot of things that have been going on the last few days that, that have just astounded and just made us all very, very uneasy and, and sad. But if we will allow ourselves to keep that spiritual point of view, God's word, God's plan will stand forever. Next week, we're going to continue in 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to go through that entire chapter, verses 1 through 18. Thank you, my sister. And, you know, I want you to keep the faith, spread it gently. God bless you. Be careful. Pray for the family. Turn it over to the brothers. Thank you very much.
Good evening, everybody. Certainly like to thank Brother Wharton for his teaching and his sharing tonight. Uh, may God bless him and keep him and his entire family. Thank you, Brother Wharton. Praise him, praise him. Psalm number 300. Praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. For our sins he suffered and bled and died. He our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him. Jesus the crucified, sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows, love unbounded, wonderful, deep and strong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals allow with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, in it forever and ever. Crown him, crown him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Good evening, everyone. Thank you, Brother Paul, for that wonderful uh, lesson this evening. <clears throat> really appreciate it. Uh, we didn't uh, plan or coordinate, but uh, my thoughts tonight kind of center on a few things that uh, Brother Paul mentioned on several occasions tonight. And so I'll, I'll give a little heads up. It, you may find it uh, uh, helpful to have a piece of paper and a pen or pencil handy uh, for tonight. So uh, I'll give you a few seconds if you want to do that or if you can quickly. Uh, I'm not that good with texting and writing very fast. So if you're pretty good at that, you might be okay with um, quickly putting it in the phone. Excuse me, my throat <clears throat> this evening. As well as if you have a good memory, uh, uh, you may remember. Uh, what I've said, but once again, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, thank you for being uh, here tonight uh, for our Wednesday evening gathering. What I wanted to talk a little bit tonight about was about planning. Usually for me at the beginning of the year, uh, I spend a little bit of time thinking about uh, 
what I'd like to accomplish for the year. And uh, a number of years ago, uh, I learned that thinking about what I'd like to accomplish is very helpful and good. Um, and most of us do that at the beginning of the year. But in two instances, I learned that thinking about it isn't probably the most effective way to accomplish what I wanted. And there were two things that impacted me. I began to read a little bit about planning and I came up with a planner that worked with that. And then usually uh, for a number of years, I don't remember what year we started it, Sister Ruby and I's anniversary is in January. Usually we take a little uh, getaway uh, and we would plan out what we wanted to do for the year. Does it always end up perfect? No. But one thing I did find was that I'm a lot closer. We ended up a lot closer to where we wanted to be than if we didn't have a clear plan. So as we begin, I'd like you to just entertain this for a minute. What do you value or what do you think is important to you in the following areas? What's important to you? And think of a goal in that area for this year. Family, finances, health, work, spiritual. And you can add other areas if you desire. But I mentioned family. If I wanted to go for family, what's important for me for family? I value my family. I think my family is important. But I need to be a little bit more specific. What's my goal for my family for this year? Since I said I love them, I'm going to make it really, really important and a part of my goal to show them that I love them by calling, by reaching out, by maybe taking one of them to dinner. I'm going to make it my goal to take every child in my family or every sister or brother to dinner or lunch on their birthday to show them that I love them. And if I can't go out with them, I'm gonna call them and we'll have a virtual lunch or dinner. So that's one example. You can do the same thing for finances. What's your goal? And be very specific. For health, I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna get in better shape. Well, Vaughn, you probably need to be more specific about that. For my health, I'm gonna work out at least three times a week. I'm gonna take that swimming class I always said I was gonna take. And then I'm gonna drop down to the spiritual area. What's my goal for my spiritual health? What would I like to accomplish this year? And I need to be specific about that. I have a personal goal for me, just for me what I want to accomplish in my spiritual life. I have a goal for what I'd like to accomplish with the congregation in relation to other people. I can have a goal for what I'd like to accomplish spiritually 
for non-Christians or people outside the congregation. So I'll invite you along with me on this journey this year. What's important for you for this year in your spiritual journey? What's your goal? Be very specific. If it's truly a personal commitment and a personal desire that you want to make a spiritual goal and achieve that this year, it'll result in greater spiritual achievement typically. And I like to hear about it. So if you do it, let me, let's talk about it, about it in December. Let me know how it's going. And if you would like to talk about it even before then, I'm open to it. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. So let's plan and let not things be accomplished just by accident. If you're in the, within the hearing of my voice and the other brothers that we're participating tonight. And you'd like to learn a little bit more about the Christianity thing. You'd like to get a little bit closer to God. You're searching for it. You're searching for a relationship. Let it not be by accident. Plan to connect with someone. One of the best people to talk to are those that are Christians already. And so I invite you that if you're not a Christian and you're listening or you have been listening and then you're not right with God, make a plan to make that right. If there's anything that has been said uh, for our Christians tonight that you like the prayers and uh, or the church or the elders, feel free to write an email to elders at laurelchurch.net. If for some reason you've been studying or it's on your heart and you just know from understanding the scripture, you need to be baptized. Reach out to the elders at elders at laurelchurch.net and we can take care of that. And so if you're a member, if you're not a member of the Lord's body, reach out and we will assist you in whatever we can. Thank you for your attention this evening, brothers and sisters. And with that, I will turn it back over to the brothers. Amen. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? 
Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bride? Are you washed? Of the Lamb, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. And are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Can we pray? Our Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you that we've been able to come to study from your word. We thank you for Brother Paul who's been able to bring us this lesson. And we thank you also for all of our speakers and teachers that have been carrying on during this time. We ask you to be with us all as we continue through our days. We ask you to help this us survive this time and that we may be able to come back together and worship together as you will. Be with us all in this time. In Christ's name, amen.